Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Purple NBA Podcast. We are back. A week's hiatus, a week's rest, with a lot of stuff to talk about. Not only is March Madness over, but the NBA's probably the most mad portion of the season is really kicking off. Got about five games left and a lot of seeding left to do here in the NBA. It's going to be a crazy finish. It's going to be a wild ride, especially as a current Lakers fan, right? Current Lakers fan, it is tough. It is very tough. I believe we're the 11th seed right now. Probably going to lose again tomorrow. Just tough. Just tough. You know, it's uh, just one of them things. I was riding with LeBron when he was in the Cavs, and I feel like this is a bit harder, right? Because, I mean, geez, from what, four years ago? I feel like the NBA is already a much better product compared to just what it was in 2018. And for whatever reason, man, we, there's just some goofy things going on in that Lakers organization. But we're not going to talk about the Lakers that much today. We're just going to be talking about the dynamic of Russell Westbrook and what probably is going to happen next year. The Celtics and the Lakers kind of different approach to the adversity that they were facing earlier in the season. Going to be talking about the MVP race and, of course, Luka Doncic. But we're going to open up with Luka Doncic. I don't want to wait until the end. Someone asked me today when I was in the store and I was wearing a... Uh, an NBA jersey. They were like, who do you got for MVP? And they asked if I thought that Luca had a chance. And I was like, well, this is a cool conversation off rip. Because typically in Seattle, you don't really talk to a lot of people. <laughs> you don't really talk to a lot of people. A lot of people are kind of just focused, you know, about their business. But it was it was a nice conversation, and the guy brought up a lot of very good points. And one of the names that he brought up was Stephen Curry, not as MVP, but like of you know big time players that are kind of falling off on the wayside. And I had to agree with that one because you know obviously Curry is only averaging what twenty five a game this year on his second or third most shots per game. So having a bad year. A poor year, an inefficient year. And then you have a guy like Luca, who, I mean, he's 23 years old. Dallas has already given him the keys to the kingdom, put him in the driver's seat, and just told him, hey, go, go take it for us. And he's done so. And he is quite literally done so. I mean, he's a three time All Star, two time All NBA. He's going to be. Probably first team All-NBA this year. Should be. Should be in the top five for MVP voting. 
And he's just in a he's just a terrific player, and it, it begs the question: like, who right now is the best player in the world? You still got LeBron up there. You still got Giannis up there. You still got the centers. And then I feel like Luca. I feel like that that five is probably the best five players in the world right now. You want to throw in Booker in there? Sure, you want, to, but. I feel like Booker still has a lot of steps that he needs to take to be in the echelon of best player in the world right now. Ultimately, though, is Luka the best in the world? Probably not. When it's all said and done, does he have a case to potentially be one of the best players to ever grace a basketball court? Without a doubt. Because up to this point, he's done nothing but positively impact an entire organization with next to no expectations. Luca was not supposed to be this good. No one touted him to be this good. People were touting him to be a bust, another European bust, because up to that point, I mean, really the only Europeans that came over and really did anything at a high, high level up to that point, mind you, were Dirk, the Kristaps Porzingis. Um, you know, I'm, I'm discounting. I'm discounting Ginobili. I'm discounting Tony Parker. They were late draft picks. They weren't really supposed to be anything special. Um, but you just look at the guys like Ennis Cantor. He was a third pick. Um, Dragon Bender top five pick more often than not these overseas dons come over and they fail but unfortunately it comes without pressure right it comes without the or i'm sorry it comes with the added pressure of trying to you know, hit that next Dirk because anytime that a European comes over, they're all they're already instantly com being compared to Dirk Nowitzki. Now Luca was drafted to the Hawks, traded to the exact same organization as Dirk Nowitzki. So it's like, what do you think is going to happen? And already, I mean, he's he's just proving how great of a player he is. His defensive numbers are up from last last few years, really. And again, with Luca, he's 23 years old. He can only get better. And he's he's, he's playing good, efficient basketball. Um, and you know what? In the playoffs, he gets it done too. So you can only you can only just sit back and watch and enjoy, like. I'm excited for Playoff Luca. Playoff Luca, if you didn't know, is a 34 game on 49% shooting, 39% from three. Still getting his nine rebounds, nine assists a game. Playoff Luca, I feel like, is what we're getting now with, you know, Jason Kidd essentially just playing Luca ball the entire year, and it's working for the Mavericks. It is very much working for the Mavericks. They're fourth in the West right now. 
and their expected win-loss was supposed to be 35, sorry, 45 and 31, which would be ninth. They were supposed to be a play-in team, and they have clinched the playoffs. It's pretty remarkable. It's pretty special to see what's going on right now. And frankly, I just feel like no one's talking about it. Like, this is one of the more special NBA seasons that we've ever had. I feel like it's kind of just getting brushed beyond the wayside, man. You've got just amazing teams playing tremendous basketball. You've got stories like the Phoenix Suns, who are just absolutely all-out dominating 61 wins you have the Grizzlies who they were a playing team last year and now they're the confirmed second seed it's just it's just remarkable like the West right now is the toughest it's ever been in my opinion um, you can break down records you can break down rosters if you want but up and down like talent wise in the league right now I feel like there's so much talent and I feel like this is without a doubt the most talented the league has ever been because 1 through 15 in both conferences every team has one or two guys pretty much except the obvious tank teams so if you really wanted to say 1 through 13 sure but even like the Pistons have some guys, man. The Rockets have guys. They just... They're tanking. Like, they're not out there to win ball ballgames. Um, and I think the travesty teams in the league right now, the teams that are completely underachieving, without a shadow of a doubt, is the Sacramento Kings. LA Lakers but we're gonna talk about the Lakers in a separate they're getting their own like <laughs> they're getting their own video the Lakers are because truthfully the Lakers have just fell all the way apart and it sucks it does suck because I feel like when the Lakers are doing good every everything in the world is good you know everything in the world's fine when the Lakers are doing fine and I feel like, yeah, the Celtics doing so good also, you know, rubs me the wrong way. But at least the Thunder still suck, you know, so. Speaking of the Thunder, speaking of a Thunder great, Russell Westbrook. And you might be asking, like, hey, what's going on with Russell Westbrook? Over the last few games, he's quote-unquote picked things up, so to say, but... I just haven't seen it from him all year this year. For whatever reason, he just doesn't seem like he wants to play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers, and it sucks. Uh, because barring injuries, barring the weird roster moves that Rob Palinka did or did not make, it was kind of a, a punch in the... Punch in the face to the Lakers to start the season. I mean, off the get-go, like, if you, if you remember, the Lakers had a decent start. 
They lost their first two games, but they they faced some pretty good teams. Um, well, the Lakers had a pretty decent start up until LeBron got hurt, Anthony Davis got hurt, and then the team just fell apart. Like when when LeBron was out, the team absolutely fell apart. And I feel like they just never caught their footing. They never really figured each other out. And it doesn't really help that Palinka and really Frank Vogel never really put the Lakers in position to succeed. Um, when you look at other teams such as the Mavericks, when you look at other teams such as Memphis, even Milwaukee, they've made moves that kind of complemented their stars. But if you look at the guys that the Lakers brought in, you know, majority of them are shooting under the average for three-pointers. A majority of them, I mean, not even majority, like a vast majority. Besides LeBron and Anthony Davis, every other player on the Lakers has a below league average defensive rating. And one of those guys has barely played basketball this year. And another one of those guys, quite frankly, has been carrying a team when he really shouldn't be. And it was never the plan for him to be carrying the team. Um, Anthony Davis has only played 37 games this year, and he's probably only going to play about 40. If, if he does end up coming back on Friday... And it sucks because Anthony Davis was playing some pretty good basketball. Uh, if you remember, like, when he came back, he was balling. He was killing it. The the unfortunate... It's honestly a tragedy about his career is just the injuries, man. Because he's a terrific player. But it just looks like it's... It just looks like it's not going to happen for him. Uh, AD got hurt around the uh, the 30-game mark. Sat out for over a month. Came back until late February. Got hurt. Hasn't played since. If you remember, he got hurt in that Utah game just before the All-Star break that the Lakers had that very good comeback. And in that game, AD was killing Gobert. Killing Gobert. And if you just remember, like, since AD came back, he was balling. He was playing some very good basketball. 23 a game, nine boards, three blocks, shooting almost 60%. And the Lakers, like... <laughs> It seemed like they were almost figuring things out. The games that they lost in that little run, they lost to Philly by 18, lost to Atlanta by 8, Charlotte by 3, the Clippers by 1, if you remember that Reggie Jackson game-winning layup, Milwaukee by 15, Portland by 2. That's when Anthony Simons came back and just didn't miss a shot. 
Golden State by two. Those were the uh, that was Anthony Davis's like five for thirteen night. LeBron missed a free throw at the end to kind of seal it. Injuries suck, and I feel like we've had injuries just take away so many great players from playing the game. And man, like if you guys don't understand how bad injuries are at this rate, at this accelerated rate, it's actually brutal. It is actually brutal. Like me and my friends were all super hyped for fantasy, but with injuries, with the the pandemic, it's tough to start planning that stuff because you really need a lot of exceptions for how often people are getting injured and it's because the game is faster the game is faster it's stronger it's harder and it doesn't take a rocket science to figure that out as athletes keep getting bigger stronger faster well the game mirrors that so it sucks and uh, unfortunately Westbrook is without a doubt out of his prime um, I feel like he left his prime in 2017 and he hasn't played like the Russell Westbrook that we all grew up watching simply because he he's just been resting on his laurels and for me it it all starts with the the whole rebounding thing I feel like he really slows his team down trying to go after those offensive rebounds and the funny thing is like if you look at his rebounding stats when the ball is in the air He's losing those offensive rebound duels. He's losing those offensive rebound battles. Or I apologize. Defensive rebounds. He's losing at a at a higher rate than he was prior to the triple-double chase. Yet his stats for defensive rebounds are higher, uh, which kind of kind of blinds people from the the facts like you can look at the blanket rebounding stats I like to look at the blanket rebounding percentages and the rebounding duels which he loses more often than he doesn't and like we've said in the past like it slows down the fast break Russell Westbrook's greatest feature is his athleticism so when you remove 12 to 15 feet of a fast break if you remove 12 to 15 feet of a full-on sprinting Russell Westbrook you're giving yourself a much better chance and unfortunately that's just what happened with the Lakers this year they've chose to slow it down Essentially, even though their pace is one of the highest in the league, it could be higher. They Right now, they're sixth in pace. They could be first. And quite literally, all it would take is telling, hey, Russ, like, we don't need you going for these rebounds, pimp. We got you. We're going to work you in much more ball-friendly role where you're going to be on the ball. You're going to be directly involved with pick and rolls. Uh, we're going to get LeBron some open 
some open drives. Maybe run some floppy with Malik Monk. Um, try and get guys doubled and go a little bit less with the ISO stuff. And boom shakalaka. The Lakers would be a winning team right now. But, hey, you know what? I would say I'm no expert, but I literally am. So it is what it is. I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> the end of the day, though, the Lakers are going to be what the Lakers want to be. And when it boils down to what they want to be, they just don't have the passion. You go to the other side of America and you have the Boston Celtics who quite literally have two of the most hungry players in the world with Tatum and Brown. Two guys that are constantly being involved in trade rumors. Two guys that are constantly being involved in discussions. This, that, and the other. Which one should be put into all-NBA contention? Which one shouldn't? These guys mutually drive each other. These guys mutually carry each other to better performances. And at one point, like the Celtics were sitting in a, a losing record. <laughs> They were sitting in a losing record, and now they're third in the Eastern Conference. They have a chance to leapfrog everybody, and they could be—they could quite literally be in the first seed when it's all said and done. They're only a game behind the Miami Heat. With five games to go gonna be a like i said it's gonna be a wild ride but credit where credit is due um ime udoka he's always been a tremendous coach the boston celtics are the number one defensive team in the league they have a net rating of almost seven points so it's gonna happen it's gonna happen for the celtics you just, you're wondering when. You're wondering when it's going to happen. And ultimately, I feel like that boils down to them just making the right moves. And now that they have Brad Stevens in the presumable like GM position, it's most likely going to happen, right? They've lost, what, three games since the All-Star break. And... In their last, what, 28, they've only lost five. So the Celtics are streaking where the Lakers are wetting the bed, so to speak. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, if you're a Boston Celtics fan, because January 21st, they were 23 and 24, losing record. Since then, they're 47 and 29. So, since January 21st, they're 24 and 6. I feel like you'd be happy with that anytime, uh, let alone at the right time at the end of the season when you want to get hot. Celtics are the hottest team in basketball. And that all boils down to the incredible coaching, the incredible defense, and holding people accountable. 
So if you want a prime example of that, you look at the Boston Celtics organization. And it's just gorgeous. Talking about the MVPs, it's been back and forth. Uh, you can even throw Giannis into this conversation. You can throw Devin Booker, who's starting to get a little bit of shine in this conversation. <laughs> um, it's going to be one hell of a finish. It's going to be one hell of a finish. It's really up for grabs right now between the centers, um, Jokic and Bede. I feel like Embiid has the the steam right now in terms of momentum. And I mean, last night with that huge block from Giannis on Embiid to win the game. Now Embiid's getting the momentum. It's going to be a very, very close finish. It's going to be a very, very close finish. And I feel like... You know, with these three three guys, I feel like one of them is going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. I don't feel like all three are going to move forward, and I think that's really going to sit heavy on the minds of voters. I think voters are going to look at that, and unfortunately, it's going to sway them. Even though the MVP is quintessentially... A regular season thing it's supposed to be for the most valuable player in the league but in I don't know the past 10 years really just gone to the most like talked about player whoever they set the narrative for in the preseason and then whoever lived up to the narrative whoever didn't get injured I just walked away with the MVP um, you remember early on in the season the MVP was what, Jokic or Curry, right? Embiid really wasn't in those discussions. It was really just a Curry-dominated discussion more than anything. To where people were saying, wow, is Curry going to be the next unanimous MVP? Like, people were talking about this. And it's um, irresponsible not to, not to hold these arguments accountable because... I mean, how black, like, it's, it's a goofy argument to have, right? Because it, it didn't take a rocket scientist to see what Curry was doing was not sustainable. What Curry was doing was not efficient. And it's just, it's just weird, man. Like the media voting on a award that goes to the the most valuable player in the league i don't know how much that the media knows about basketball because they get a lot of these awards wrong a lot i feel like for mvp it should be 100 percent a coaches get 50 percent of the votes Players get 50% of the votes. That simple. Most improved player, that can be 100% up to the executives. Sixth man of the year. Let that go to the media. Let rookie of the year go to the media. But for the award for the best player in the NBA... 
I just feel like the media should have no right in saying it because the media is the one that sparks the narratives. And people don't really fathom that. They don't really understand that. Because how many years has the MVP voting been hijacked? How many years in a row has it been hijacked? I mean, you, you just, you break it down to the media darlings and for whatever reason, in the past, I don't know, 10, 10 years, the media's just been having the biggest trouble with guys who are quintessentially friendly to the media. Um, just some examples. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a dick to the media. He won six media awards. He won six MVPs. Michael Jordan was a dick to the media, but he was all the media could ever talk about. And won five MVPs. Kobe Bryant Barely media friendly. Barely open to the media. Only won one MVP. Keel O'Neal. Barely friendly. Barely open to the media. Only won two MVPs. Or was it only one? Shaq only won one MVP. Apologies. I keep thinking he won one in Miami, but it was Steve Nash. Uh, LeBron James. The most scrutinized player in NBA history. Barely open to the media probably the greatest player of all time definitely the best player in the nba for the past 18 seasons he's only won four mvps so it, like there's a there's obviously a rhetoric to these rewards there's obviously a hypocritical tendency to these awards and ultimately, it's just sad because a lot of great players are going to go unnoticed because the media is the one that are voting on these awards. Like, it doesn't matter if you get bored and you want to vote for somebody else. Like, you you have a, a distinguished honor. You have a distinguished privilege to have some integrity and make the right vote. And in every sense of the word, valuable will always break down. And no one will understand it. No one will understand the term value in basketball, especially the media. The media doesn't tell you what's valuable. If you ask the media what's valuable, they'll tell you points per game. And if we're talking points per game, how's LeBron James not in the, in the MVP top 10? If we're talking points generated, how's LeBron James not in the top 10? Like, is the MVP a team award? Or is it a valuable player award? It just It's never made sense. They continue to change... What they expect from a player year after year. And up to this point. 
There's just, there's no, there's no semblance with it. There's no consistency with it. Like every year it feels like there's different criteria that someone has to reach. And up to this point, keeps changing. So I don't know what the criteria is this year. I'm not sure what the media is looking for now. I don't know if they want someone who can do TikTok dances. I don't know if they want someone that's uh, big on Twitter or anything, but ultimately, media awards, I feel like, don't really hold much merit, because like I said, it's whoever's going to run with the agenda, and there's always context with it, too. Um, if you, like I've said in the past, like if you look at the centers that Jokic plays night in, night out, and you look at the centers that Embiid has to play night in, night out. Uh, it's, it's night and day for me. Who gets the MVP? But that's just me. That's just me. The award races do finish soon. And the NBA does finish soon as well. With that being said, guys, it's going to do it for this week's pod. Just a shorter pod, just a nice check-in pod as we stay alert with the finish of the NBA. We're going to have a lot more to talk about next week with the top 25 dynamic duos. I'll see you all later, Gator, and have a good one. Thank you.